read together God's word this morning. We are in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. One day Peter and John were going to, up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention and expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that have been so cool to see that? Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate and called beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running into the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see is, and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and, faith in the, in, and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Father, we thank you. This is your word and your word is truth. And Lord, as we look at healing today, that Jesus, you are our healer. Lord, we don't understand all of what it is and why it is that you choose to heal some and not others. But Lord, we know that there is coming a day, a day of the ultimate healing, when all of us will be healed. And God, as we open up your word now, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for your spirit to be our teacher. Let me fade into the background and let you be the one that speaks to our heart. In the same way that you opened Lydia's heart to understand the truth, Lord, would you help us this morning by your spirit to understand the truth that you have for us. God, come now. Come now and show us your glory in this time, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is interesting how God weaves things together. We're talking this morning about Jesus, our healer. As a denomination, we call this the fourfold gospel. Jesus is our Savior. He is our sanctifier. He is our healer. Next week, we'll be talking about that he's our coming king. But Jesus is healer. I'm going to start in a different place this morning, and it's interesting how God weaves things together. The worship team talked about Exodus chapter 16, and that's where I'm going to begin. I'm not going to ask you to look there. I'm just going to give you some background. The nation of Israel has come out of, of Egypt. And they have seen God do some amazing things. What have they seen God do? The, the ten plagues that had happened. They saw darkness on, on the side of the Egyptians and light on the side of where they were at. Darkness that could be felt is what it says. 
They saw God part the Red Sea, they walked through on dry land, and they saw God put the, put the waters back over Pharaoh's army. They saw this. They had a tangible re- representation of God right in front of them. As they left, they left seeing the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. But as they left, God did not take them by the easiest route. For why? Because they were not prepared for war. And if they would have done it, it said they would have, they would have tried to go back to Egypt. But God took them in another direction. And when God took them in that direction, he was testing them. Over and over again, we see God's testing them. The first time that we see that test is, is, is in chapter 16. They've been three days without water. Remember, who do they see out in front of them? They have a visible representation. God is out in front of them. The cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. And yet when there's no water, they say they they began to grumble and they began to complain against God. And God showed them. They finally came to a place where there was water, but the water was bitter. Don't walk over the top of that. When Scripture shows you something, it says the water was bitter. Hebrew always is playing games with the words. It really mirrors their attitude at that point right now. And God showed Moses a piece of wood. Throw the piece of wood in the water. The water is now potable. It's now able to be drunk. And God, after he says that, he says, in the same way, paraphrase, in the same way that I healed this water, he says, I am that I am. I am the Lord who heals you. Inherent in that little phrase is an issue of trust. And I think of no other time in a Christian's life where God calls his people to a level of trust than when we are walking through a season of illness. illness. Especially in a time that is is prolonged. Because inherent in that that phrase, I am the Lord who heals you, is, is this question, will you trust me? And again, and again, and again, the Israelites proved by their complaints And by their grumbling, that no, they wouldn't. He is not only the God who heals, but he is the God who we can trust. And as we look at this, this morning, we we spent time reading in Acts chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 3, we see Jesus, we see the disciples walking into a hopeless situation. This guy had been crippled from birth. Crippled from birth. But yet when they prayed over him, it says, that when they, now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate, beautiful, which was called beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Hopeless. I mean, there is no hope. This is the way that he was born. This was without the touch of God. This is the way that he's going to die. And yet Peter and John have the same, they carry on the same ministry that they saw Jesus do. Jesus often walked into situations that looked hopeless, didn't he? One of those situations we find, we find in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse, verses 1 to 2. And, in, and here it says, When Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Leprosy was a death sentence. One day I'm going to preach a, a, a first-person sermon on this. Leprosy was a death sentence. And when it says that he was covered with the leprosy, this had gone on for a long time. I wonder when the last time was that he had touched somebody. They had to ring the bell and they had to proclaim, unclean, unclean, so that people wouldn't go away from Women covered their faces. Children ran and screamed from them. Other children threw stones at them. I mean, it was a horrible lifestyle. And it says when he saw Jesus, look at his posture. 
He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I love this next verse. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. You didn't touch a leper. I wonder how long he had been since he had felt the touch of somebody. And when Jesus touched him, he said, I am willing. Jesus is willing to heal. And he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Can you imagine? Fingers that had once been just stubs. Ears that had been gone. Pieces of the nose that had been gone. Because leprosy is such a disfiguring disease. And in an instant... He has those back. In an instant, he could feel the ground again. And in an instant, his life was given back to him. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. That, that, that blows my mind when I hear that. Don't, what do you mean, don't tell anyone? I, wouldn't, I couldn't wait to tell somebody. I couldn't wait to go back. But go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus often went into impossible situations and he touched them and he gave back life. Why? Because he had compassion. Does God call his church to be a church that has compassion as well? He does. He does. He calls us to be compassionate. As well, as well, Jesus, well, in the midst of all this, we need to ask a question. So why, why is there sickness in the world? Why does God allow sickness in the world? I, I think one of the reasons why is because we live in a fallen world. Our ancestors, Adam and Eve, they, they fell, and as a result of that, there is, there is sickness in the world. But sometimes, and hear me well, sometimes, let me say it one more time, sometimes sickness is as a result of sin. How, how do I know that? When Jesus comes to the, to the man who is at the pool of Bethesda and he asks the question, and this again is one of these questions that blows my mind. He says, do you want to get well? Do, do you want, sometimes people don't want to get well, do they? They want to continue to you know, kind of wallow in their juices and you know, wallow in their, and they don't, want, they don't want to get well. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? And when he touches him, he heals him. And Jesus says to him what later on in, in, in uh, verse 14? He says, see, while Jesus, uh, oh, let me, excuse me, I'm on the wrong page, sorry about that. He said to the man, Jesus found him later in the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In Psalm 32, verse 4, verses 3 and 4, remember, this is coming after, this is coming after David has, has committed adultery with Bathsheba. As well, David did what? David sent with her husband, Uriah, his own death sentence. And after all that, David thought, okay, well, now I'm, now I'm scot-free. And the problem is that God was the one who knew. And David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Sometimes, sometimes, God uses sickness to get our attention, doesn't he? But there are times that God brings sickness. And this is the tough one. There are times, sometimes, that God brings sickness for his glory. Sometimes God doesn't heal. Sometimes God doesn't heal. We read in, in John chapter 9, verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus, there was a man who was, who was born blind, and he said, which of these... Which which of these uh, people sinned, he or his parents? 
And Jesus said, neither. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Sometimes God has something else in store. I think as well in John chapter 11, verse 38 to 40. The background of this. Jesus has a friend by the name of Lazarus. His sisters, Mary and Martha, are good friends. And when they bring the news to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. I think they fully expected that Jesus was going to drop everything and come. After all, they were in Bethany, and he was just a short distance away, about two miles away. I mean, we can easily walk two miles away. And yet when he hears the news, what does Jesus do? Nothing. Nothing. He waits four days. That's big in the Jewish calendar. Because in the Jewish mindset, not not erroneously, not truly, but in the Jewish mindset, the soul of the body hovered around the person for three days. After three days, there's no hope. Now, that's obviously, that, that's not true. But that's what they believe. And Jesus shows up when? On the fourth day. And it's that Martha went out to meet him. Oh, I'll bet you she did. Can you see her just going out there? I'll bet she wanted a few words, choice words for Jesus. But what does she say to him? Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, 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 the, at the end of, of life, he will rise again. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. And when Jesus comes to the tomb, it says, once more deeply, deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. We know that he's already wept. Why did he weep? I think he not only wept because of his dear friend Lazarus, but I wonder if he didn't also. This is conjecture on my part. I can be wrong. But I wonder if he didn't weep because this wasn't the way that it was supposed to be. As God originally created this world, this wasn't the way that it was supposed to be. Because death hurts, doesn't it? Even though we love somebody and there are those who've, who've gone on ahead of us who have who've died and we know that where they're going to be, it still, it still is hard to say goodbye to loved ones. And he comes to the tomb and he says, take away the stone. And here's Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor for he's been in there for four days. And here is what it is, the crux of this. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see what? What does it say? The glory of God. God in healing, it is always, if God chooses to heal, if he chooses not to heal, it is always for his glory. It is always for his glory. And sometimes when God chooses not to heal, it is not because he does not love. We know that he deeply loves us. It is because he has something better in mind. If Jesus would have gone and healed him, healed him right off the bat, the disciples would have missed a major lesson. And not only the disciples, but Mary and Martha. You know who gets the short end of the stick in all this? Lazarus. Can you imagine? He's been four days in glory, and he gets called back to this earth. Well, you know, he's like, I've been, four days, I've been four days in glory, and now I come back to this. God, it's something better. Healing comes... And it comes from Christ and from Christ alone. As we read in Acts chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
We do not heal on our own. It is Christ who heals. It is Christ who heals. It is Jesus Christ who heals. That, that is not something that we do on our own. Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5 says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten and sitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Now, there are some who believe that that's not talking anything about, about physical healing. When I was, uh, when I was in seminary, my, my, my master's is a master's of divinity, but with an emphasis in Hebrew. And... For three weeks, or two weeks, I sat in a class with a guy, and it's like drinking from a fire hose for three weeks. But we, one, of the, one of the scriptures that we had to tear apart was Isaiah 53. And I talked with my professor, and he's written many commentaries, and he's a foremost authority in Hebrew. And I said, you know, this verse is pretty special to us as a denomination. I said, but does this verse speak about physical healing? And he said, without a doubt, without a doubt. Did you see what he carries? Jesus took up our what? Our infirmities, our sicknesses. But what else did he carry? He carried our sorrows. The healing that Christ comes to give us in our lives is not just physical healing. Because sometimes the healing is not the healing that we desire and that we need is not just physical healing. But it can be emotional healing as well. Spiritual healing. Can we go to him? Look at what 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. There are parallel passages to this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Matthew 8, 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he carried our diseases. So if this is true, then why doesn't God always heal? met a dear, dear pastor last week. I preached in a Zrai church. It's on the border of Vietnam, a tribal area, packed to the gills. The, the first church I've ever been in where we sat on the floor, guys on one side, ladies on the other side. And I was the speaker that day. But the, they, but the missionary is with Bun Ui. He said, I want you to meet the pastor of this church. And we went over into his home, and here was literally a shell of a man. For the last four years, he has, ha- he has a disease that they can't do anything about. That it's a disease that attacks the nerves of his stomach. He can't eat. It literally it looks like someone who's come out of Auschwitz, and just, they just there's nothing left to him. And Benoit said, this man was my best student. He was my best student. He was, he was the one who planted this church. He had a gift of evangelism. And I think, God, what are you doing? If you carried our sins, if you bore our sins, if we can pray, then God, why don't you heal somebody like that? He has a wife and five children that are going to be left behind. Would you pray for him? His name is easy to remember. It's, it sounds just like the word jewel. Would you pray for him? Because barring a miracle... Jewel is going to be in heaven, and his family and children are going to be left behind. And sometimes we say, God, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing? But ultimately, whether God chooses to heal or whether God chooses not to heal, 
It is always for his glory. This is, that's a tough one for me. Anybody else struggle with that? That's, that's a tough one for me. You know, as I was preparing this message, I said, God, I love you. That will never change. But I don't understand. I don't understand why you bring healing to one and not another. But Lord, I still love you and you are sovereign. That's one of the main truths in this, is the sovereignty of God. When we prayed to receive him as Savior, that Acts 2.36 verse, that God, you, that God made him who was crucified to be both Lord and Christ. When we invite him into our life, we turn over our lives to him and say, God, you may do with my life as you wish. For some of us, he may take us on a course of, of illness. On others, he may not. But will we trust him? And will we allow him to be sovereign in our lives? Because sometimes, sometimes when God heals, when God does heal, it is a means of pointing people to Christ. You've heard me talk, to, talk about my, my friend uh, Gung. Uh, when I was in Cambodia a couple of years ago, they were telling me a story about, and I shared this on, on Sunday that I, that I candidated. Kung uh, was a flat-out mean man. I heard more of the story this, this last time. In, in Cambodia, they have what they call mechanical tractors. It's like a huge rototiller on steroids, and they hook up a, a trailer to the back end. And Kung was the kind of guy who, you know, people would be walking down the road, and he would drive that thing and drive it in such a way to, to run people off the road. He was just a very, very mean man. Didn't, didn't care for his wife that she was, a, she was a Christian, ridiculed and mocked her for it. How he made his living was that he, he made charcoal. And, it, and when they make charcoal in Cambodia, it's, it's in like a huge beehive, but there's a big hole down in, inside the ground, and they just pile the wood in there, light it, and it burns for days and days. And when it's finally done burning, they go in and they take out the charcoal. Gung went in there with his four-year-old grandson, and it ca- collapsed in on top of him. His wife said, his wife simply just said the word, Jesus, help him. And Gung said it was as though somebody grabbed him by the, by the shoulders and pulled him up out of, the, out of that charcoal. But his four-year-old grandson was still in there. And there are nine people. This is the part of the story I didn't hear until I was just recently there. There were nine people who went in there. They were looking around for this little boy. And they said it was like there was a, a round, a, a, like, a, like an arch of, of yellow light over, over, where, over something. And as they began to dig down, down, there was the little four-year-old grandson he was underneath that. He was not harmed in any way. What that did in that area, when he, when he, came, when he came out of there, Gung's eye was hanging down out of the socket. And when I said this the first time, we had um, Henri and, and uh, his wife, and they said, that only, that, that's a miracle if that eye could go back up. Well, he went to the hospital in Simrip, and they told him, we, we can't do anything for you. And so he went to another hospital, and he said, we can't do anything for you. So when he went home, he said to his wife, he said, either take me to your church or let me die. He said, I can't go on living like this with my eye hanging out. So they took him to the church, and the, and the pastor and the people there, they looked at it, they kind of cleaned it up a little bit, pushed it up, and, and they put a bandage around him. And he lived there with the church, when, with the pastor for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and they watched what was going on in the church. And after four weeks... He gave his life to Christ because he saw the love of Christ that they had. And when he took the bandage off of his eye, his eye was perfect again. And when I met him, 
I said to him, oh, so you're the guy with the eye who came down. He said, yeah. I said, which one was it? He said, you tell me. <laughs> I couldn't tell. When Kung came to Christ, when God did that work of healing in his, in his life, it had a ripple effect. All of his siblings now, the last time I told you the story, there was one who not, had not prayed to receive Christ. All eight of his siblings now have prayed to receive Christ. Everywhere where his siblings are, there is a church. Everywhere. Kung's, the Alliance Video Magazine, which, were, uh, which is a magazine for our denomination, was just there doing a video on them. And he said, people call him all the time saying, Hey, Kung, we heard about what happened to you. Can you tell us how to pray to receive Jesus Christ? So this video team is there and they're saying, Well, let's, let's play like, you know, or let's pretend like you're, you're getting a call. And so the lady who's interpreting for Kung, she, all of a sudden Kung's phone rings. And she's listening to him and she said, it's happening right now. He's leading someone to Christ right now. Because God did that work of healing in him, it has had a ripple effect in there. Eleven churches have been planted in the last year and a half. And they're thriving every single day. One of the pastors there said, I am so tired. He said, what are you so tired from? He said, I'm tired. He said, because every day I'm leading people to Christ. Children, adults, I mean, they were seeing God do some amazing things there. And God's the one who did it. God's the one who did it. It is Christ who is our healer. We never, we pray, we pray and we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when people ask for healing, they're not putting their faith in faith, but they're putting their faith in the power and in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We serve a God who heals. I am the Lord who heals you. Well, he still heals today. James chapter 5, we read, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, there's several things in there. We're invited to ask God. We're invited to ask God for healing. We are never to demand. There are those who, who say it is your right to be wealthy. It is your right to be healthy. You can tell God that he needs to heal you. Huh, wrong. He is a sovereign God. He is eternal. He is, all, he is altogether different than I. We may look different on the, on the outside, but on the inside, we're all the same. That's why, so that when a doctor goes and he works on us, he, he doesn't say, hey, can you get me the manual on that guy? He said, I don't know where they put the liver on these guys. We're not like a 68 Ford. You know, we're, we're all the same on the inside, but God is not. To be holy, which God is, means that He is completely other from us. He is not like us. And we dare not demand. In fact, His Word says in Jeremiah, Should you not tremble in my presence? He is a holy God. And, and if you notice the posture throughout the Scriptures of when people came to ask for healing, what's the posture? Most of them were on their face before Christ. We don't demand. When we ask God for healing, it's, you can go back. 
when we ask God for healing, go to the next slide, please. Go ahead to the next slide, please. When we ask God for healing, it's an act of obedience to his word. You've been invited. If you are a child of God, if you've prayed to receive Christ, he says, this is, this is a, a privilege for you to come, to ask for healing. He's invited you to come. Some of us, we come to Christ as a last resort. How about if we flip that and came to him first? When we ask God for healing, it's an act of obedience to his word. When we ask God for healing, it is an act of faith in the promises of God. We go back to the word of God. God says in, his, in Exodus 16:4, I am the Lord who heals you. And lastly, humility. It's an act of humility on the part of the believer. Some of us have great difficulty in admitting that all is not well with me. But he is still a God who heals. Last story. I asked, uh, I asked one of the missionaries, and hoping that they're going to be able to come here at some point to, to speak to our church. But they're in the northwest corner over where Kung is at and where God's doing some amazing things. And they were telling me about a lady, her name is Nguyen. Nguyen is Chinese. She's Chinese living in, in Cambodia, living in, this, in the village of Tulprik. And she is bedridden for the last 12 years. She has an autoimmune disease. And one day she said, I've had it. I, I've had it with this religion. She said, it, it, it's doing nothing for us. And she said, I heard that there's a baptism, that the Christians are going to have a baptism. She says, I want to go to that baptism. So they helped her up and they, and they got her to the place where the, where the baptism was going on. The pastor was talking about what baptism means and all that. And she got in line. She got in line with the rest of the people who were going to be baptized. Now, now, wait, this is what blows every circuit in my body. It's like, huh, what happened? She's walking in line with the rest of the people who are waiting to get baptized. And as she's walking along, she's saying, Jesus, if you are real, would you heal me? And she said every step that she took in the water, she said she felt something in her body. The guy doing the baptism, he's baptized her along with everybody else. And she said the moment that she got out of the water, she said she knew Jesus had healed her. Well, my friend, our friend Sina, she said, who's that lady there that just got baptized? And they said, we don't know. So they went up to her and then she, they said, well, she said, my name's Nguyen. She said, I live right next to the, to the church here in Tulprik. And she said, Do you, are, are you a Christian? And she said, I don't know. She said, I don't even know who this Jesus is. I just heard about him today, but he healed me. And she said, would you like to pray to receive Christ? And she said, yes. Not only her, but her husband and her whole family. And some things have happened with the church that, that uh, is right next to her house. There was somebody who was very unscrupulous, and he's taken the church. And, she, and so Sina was saying, well, now where are we going to have our church? And she said, why not my home? We have a big home here, she said. I invite everybody to come in. They took down all of the fetishes, all of the altars that were in the house. And she said, you can make my house your church now. All of her family has prayed to receive Christ. And I look at this and say, she didn't even know what she's doing. And yet God healed her. And I think that there are times too that God heals her, heals people and does things so that people will see that he is God. He is still a God who heals. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, here's 
my invitation to you. Is any one of you sick? This morning we want to give you an opportunity to follow the Lord in obedience and humility. If you have something that you would like to, you would like to be prayed for and anointed with oil, we would invite you to come up. When the last song is being sung, we would invite you to come up and sit in the chairs here. Ladies, a lady will pray with you. Because sometimes the things that we have to, have to pray about, we ask about, they're, they're of a sensitive nature that we don't... It's like, well, I don't want to say that in front of a man. Ladies, a lady will pray with you. One of the elders will do the anointing. But ladies, a lady will pray with you. Men, a man will pray with you. For some of you... It's not a physical need. It may be a spiritual need. It may be an emotional need. But we invite you to come. We invite you to come. As the, if the worship team would come up now, we'd invite you to come up and we will anoint you. We will we'll pray with you. And then someone, one of the elders, will anoint you with oil. So I would also ask if the elders and their wives would come up now at this time. And let me pray, and then as the music is, is going on, if you, would like to, if you would like to be prayed for, we just invite you to come forward and sit in one of the chairs here, and then people will pray with you. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you. What a precious truth that you are the Lord who heals us. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the God who not only worked through your son, Jesus Christ, you are the God who worked throughout Peter and Paul and James and others, and down throughout history. You're the one who brings healing to people like Gung and Nguyen. But you are also the God, for whatever reason, you say to another, my grace is sufficient for you. Lord, you are sovereign. And it is in deepest reverence that we come asking you, God, to be the one brings healing, the one that would touch whatever physical need, emotional, spiritual need would be present here today. Lord, I pray right now for each one here that God, as you have been speaking to their hearts, that they wouldn't be afraid. They wouldn't be afraid to come forward and allow you to work in their lives. We love you and we praise you and thank you that you are our healer, you are our savior, you're the one who makes us holy. And you are our coming king as well. To you belongs all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' precious name.